This message is by Jesse Green, pastor of the Union Square Community of Liberty Church in New York City. Hi, Union Square. I want you guys to stay standing for a moment. Um, We are going to do a little activity before we sit down. So my niece, Finley, is crazy. She's probably the craziest person I've ever met besides myself. And she taught me a dance before. And I want to share it with you guys because winter has been long. Can I get an amen? Oh, I am so ready for spring. And you think that you would eventually get used to the winter weather living here, but you don't. And so I want us to get rid of winter in ourselves. So Finley taught me this dance. And what you do is you shake your shoulders and you say, shake, shake, shake the silly out. Okay? So I want you all to shake the silly of winter out of yourselves. So all with me. One, two, three. Shake, shake, shake the silly out. All right, cool. You guys can sit down. (laughs) All right. (laughs) You guys feel good? Okay. Is it okay if we have fun in church? Is that, do I have your permission? Okay. I like to have fun. I hate boring things. So we will have fun tonight. I promise you. So raise your hand if you have ever had frozen yogurt before. Okay. Raise your hand if you have ever been to 16 handles. Wow. We are bringing them a lot of business from this place. 16 handles. Okay. Did you know that there was a time that not like no one knew about 16 handles? It was a new thing. There was one location. No one knew about it. And so I remember the first time I went in, I walked through the front door and a friend had brought me and I went to the back and there was 16 handles of frozen yogurt with the craziest flavors I have ever seen. We had cake batter, thin mint, salted caramel surprise. Who knows what the surprise is, but it was excellent. It was amazing. So many choices. And they gave me these little tiny cups and I could try all the different ones and didn't even have to buy them. So everyone loves free stuff. So that's kind of awesome. And then you walk down, and you think the frozen yogurt part's awesome, but then there is an array of toppings, toppings that you didn't even know could go on frozen yogurt. Like there was like full cakes pretty much like on display for your taking. And so I, I couldn't believe it. Like every Sunday dream, and I mean ice cream Sunday dream, that I could have imagined was in this place. And so I made my frozen yogurt. I loved it. And so I came home to my roommate and I said to her, I was like, have you ever been to 16 Handles? And she was like, no, what is it? I told her with that much enthusiasm, because that's how I talk about anything I'm excited about. Um, So I tell her about this frozen yogurt and she says to me, oh, I know a place just like that. It's called Strawberry Fields. Do you want to go? And I was like, well, probably not today because I just had frozen yogurt, but let's go this weekend. So we went that weekend, and uh, this is Strawberry Fields. It's shut down. So I actually took this picture because it's right near our church office this week. 
this is what has become of Strawberry Fields. We walked in, and there were not 16 handles, two. Two handles. Two handles, vanilla and chocolate handles. Then I walked to the topping station. This was disgusting. It looked like they took the frozen yogurt and just smeared it all over the toppings. I was like, I don't even want to touch the topping station. And she was like, look, you can make your own. And I was like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen. And I said to her, I was like, I, I have to take you to 16 Handles. Like, we're going right now. We will pay for this disgustingness, and we will go to 16 Handles. So we went to 16 Handles, and I showed her. I'm like, okay, so if you put half of one flavor on one side and half on the other, you can actually have two completely separate like Sundays in one cup. And I actually use cake as a little separator in the middle so that one Sunday doesn't touch the other one. And it's like, I have two different desserts for the price of one. And I am very good at getting a good deal. And I can teach you how to do that if you ever want to go. So what does this have to do with church? <laughs> well, for one, we used to go to 16 Handles after church. So maybe we can bring that back. But this is what evangelism is, guys. This is what it is. It's having an experience that is so exciting that you have to tell someone about it. And you are so passionate about it that you are willing to go there with them and take them through the process. And can I tell you, the enemy has created strawberry fields. He is creating a counterfeit of God. And I, people say, like, why are you so passionate about all of everything? And the, the reason is, is because there are counterfeits of God's presence everywhere. And it's called strawberry fields. It's called drinking. It's called sex before marriage. It's called all of these things that give you the false promise of everything that God has for you. And so our job as Christians is actually really easy. All we do is say, oh no, don't go to strawberry fields. Let me show you the real thing. Okay? So I will give you three steps to evangelism. I heard recently people buy books more that have steps, and they like steps and programs. And I went to Barnes and & Nobles, and I was like, wow, they really do love steps. It's like <laughs> 10 steps to running a business, four steps to your marriage. I'm like, really, only four steps? Um, <laughs> but <laughs> here's three steps. <laughs> okay, so if you're taking notes, write these down. Your first step to evangelism, one, have a real encounter with God. Have a real encounter with God. If you have not had one before, we will do that at the end of the service. Two, invite someone to have their own encounter with God. So tell them about yours and then show them everything you've been shown. And then the last thing is discipleship. And I will make that super easy for you because I get really intimidated by the word discipleship. All it is is you just walk through the process with them. You show them how the handle for the frozen yogurt works, which toppings are the best. And so you take someone, you bring them to church, 
You sit with them, you save them a seat, you walk with them to next steps, you join a community group with them, and it's just doing life together. So let me pray for us as we move on into the series. Holy Spirit, I thank you that your presence is with us. God, I just ask right now that you come and fill the heart of every single person in this room, God. I ask right now that any words in this message that are not from you, that they just disappear and that your spirit would fill me and just pour out of me right now. In Jesus' name, amen. So my message is called, Come and See. So this is part of the Everyone series, which we are wrapping up right before Easter. And so I want to turn to one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So if we can, if you have a Bible with you, I actually am old school and I got this really cool, sleek, matte black one from Barnes & Noble. Barnes & Noble should like pay me. I'm like totally giving them so much hype right now. But I got this great Bible. So you can either turn to your real Bible or your digital one. No judgment. I love digital things. Um, and let's go to John chapter 1, verse 38 through 39. And I'm reading from the ESV version. It's also up on the screen. All right. So it says, sorry, I have a lot of Bible verses we're going to go through today. Okay. It says, Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what are you seeking? So to give you a little bit of context here, Jesus has started his ministry. He's gathering his disciples to come alongside him. And these men start to follow him. And so he says to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? It's kind of an interesting question. He said to them, come and you will see. So they came. And saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the 10th hour. So Jesus starts off his ministry by offering an invitation. You see, he says to them, come and you will see. The way that he gathered his very, very first disciples was a simple invitation. Come, come and you will see. I'm not going to tell you, but come. Come with me. And so I want to talk to you guys about this word, see. The Greek word for see is a word that is hora'a, which actually means to look upon, experience, perceive. So Jesus is actually saying to his first followers, come and experience life with me. He's not trying to show them something. He's trying to give them an entirely different experience. So he says, come and experience life with me. So now let's turn to John chapter one, verse 46. And uh, this is obviously only a little bit further down <laughs> and he's gathering more disciples and Jesus has an encounter with Philip. And guess what happens to Philip? It says he has this encounter and he follows God. And then Philip found Nathaniel, so Philip's friend Nathaniel, and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nathaniel said to him, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? 
Who knows, sometimes people are like, can anything good come out of Union Square? Can anything good come out of the Upper East Side? Can anything good come out of Alabama? Can anything good come out of... I will tell you, a lot of good comes out of Alabama. But can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip said to him, come and see. Come and experience. Philip said, I'm not going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you what I know. I'm going to invite you to have your very own personal encounter and experience. So when we encounter God, our initial response is we have to show others. We have to show others. It's not something we try to do. He wasn't trying to show him anything. He just said, come and experience the thing that I've experienced myself. So when people say to me, Jesse, I am not an evangelist. I simply just say to them, come, come and see. I will show you that you are because all it is is having your experience with God and showing that to other people. That's all it is. So just come, come. Did God do anything in your life ever? Just tell people that. That's it. Come and see. So I want to tell you the story of the first mega evangelist. This is before Billy Graham. This is the mega evangelist of the Bible. And she's a woman, so it's kind of cool. So Mike Murphy and Justin already talked about the Samaritan woman, but I want to go a little bit deeper into her story. I, every time I read this, there's something new that comes out of it. And I love what Justin and Mike Murphy just explored about how no one that was Jewish would ever even want to touch a Samaritan person. They were so completely different viewpoints, ideals, morals from the Jews. And they're, they're going through Samaria because no one actually stops and hangs out there. It's somewhere you go through. And so they're going through there and Jesus sits at the well and he comes across this woman. And so he asks her for some water. They have this encounter and this exchange. And I encourage you guys to read this more in your own time. But they have this exchange. And what I want to point out to you is this. If we turn to John chapter 4, verse 27. Jesus has this encounter with the woman, and then the disciples see this, and they think, wait a minute. We've been following this man, Jesus, and he's talking to someone that we don't talk to those kinds of people. Like, what is Jesus doing? And they don't say anything, but who knows that a face can say a lot. I've seen some faces, and they're like, you don't have to say anything. I can see it all. I can see it all. And so they come and approach, and I can't even imagine what the disciples' faces must look like for the woman to just leave her jar and go. But what happens is this. So it says, just then, his disciples came back. They marveled that he was talking with a woman, but no one said, what do you seek, or why are you talking with her? Because they're talking to God, so that's probably a really good idea to not ask him what he's doing. Um, So the woman left her water jar and went away into town and said to the people, Come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? They went out of the town and were coming to him. 
this woman left the well a different woman. Now, to give you some context, she was there during the noon blazing, scorching sun. She was obviously trying to avoid other people in the town because she carried so much shame from being married so many times before. No one in their right mind would get their water at noon. Hottest time of the day. She's obviously desperate to avoid people. But something happens in her encounter with God. She shifts and she goes from the avoider to running to the town, telling everyone she knows, come and experience a man that not only knew everything I'd ever done, but loved me anyway. Come experience that man. And she must have had a pretty convincing story if this entire town goes to that well with her. And so she says, come and see, come and see. I want to tell you guys, when you have that kind of experience with God, I promise you, no one has to convince you to tell anyone about it. They don't. They simply don't. And I want to talk to you about a man in the Bible where I've always actually passed over this story because I didn't think it really had like super a lot of significance. (laughs) And uh, then all of a sudden I saw God's heart in it. And that's one of my favorite things to do when reading the Bible is reading a story that maybe you've read a hundred times and then God shows you his viewpoint on it. And so I want us to turn to Luke 19.1. Luke 19.1. And it says, Then Jesus entered and walked through Jericho. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, the head tax man, and he was desperate to see Jesus. So just to give you a little bit of context here, this is not the IRS kind of tax man. He cheated his very own people. So he would actually take money from the Jews. And the reason why he was rich was because he cheated the very people that he belonged to. So this is not someone that, like, we all pay our taxes, hopefully, in this room. And this isn't the kind of man where we... uh, Like, it's just a normal thing. He was despised. Another despised person. Isn't that funny? Um, And he was despised for cheating his people. And so I love what happens here. I love when people encounter God. It says, he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. I always feel bad for Zacchaeus in that, that they point out how short he was. Because everyone was, like, a lot shorter back in the day. So he must have been really short if they had to mention that. And so I picture someone that's, like, one, like, one, like this tall. <laughs> but that's actually probably not how tall he was. <laughs> um, and so he was small in stature. So he ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him. That word see is the same one that we've been seeing before, experience. He came to experience him, for he was about to pass that way. And when Jesus came to that place, he looked up. Jesus looked up and said to him, so I picture Zacchaeus is little up there, and he's up in that tree, and Jesus is walking, doing his ministry, and he stops. Jesus stops, and he looks up. And he says, Zacchaeus, 
hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And Zacchaeus said, I'm sorry, Lord. I have so much work I have to do today, and I can't hang out with you. No, that's not what Zacchaeus said. (laughs) But sometimes we say that, but that's not what Zacchaeus said. So Zacchaeus, so he hurried down and came down and received him joyfully. Who knows it's a good day when God wants to come to your house. It's a really good day. And when they saw it, these are all the people hanging around, they all grumbled. He has gone on to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. That Jesus, always with those sinners. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, and I love that Zacchaeus is fully unaware of the grumbling because you really don't care what other people are saying when you're in God's presence. And he says, behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house since he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Came to seek and save the lost. I love that Jesus responds to Zacchaeus' desperation. Jesus is on his way doing his ministry, and he sees Zacchaeus up in that tree, and he sees the desperate nature of his heart, and he, Jesus responds to him and goes to his house. I think it's funny sometimes when as Christians we say, I really want to have a God encounter, and I really want to experience more of God's presence. Can I tell you my number one sure way that you will experience more of God's presence And I've tried and tested this. You can definitely experience more of God's presence when you draw near to people that need a turnaround story. When you draw near to people that are desperate and you lean in and you stop and you look and you notice them, you will experience the love of God in a way that will forever change your life. When someone has an encounter like that with God, Jesus didn't have to tell him that, well, you've been a criminal. You got to give that money back. All these people don't like you, Zacchaeus. Jesus didn't say that to him. He just, he, God noticed him and he was like, here's all my money. Like everything is yours. Like everything I've done bad, like help me to fix it. Everything. Because you don't have to be convinced to turn your life around when you encounter God. It's just his presence makes you just want to live a little bit differently because you kind of want Jesus to stay in your house. And so you're going to make it so that he stays. And I love that it says the son of man came to seek and save the lost. I don't know why we think that God has another agenda for us. All we're supposed to do is do what Jesus did. And that's what Jesus did. So that's what we do. So if you're looking for your great calling and purpose and you're reading nine steps to the Christian experience, I can help you seek and save the lost. That's it. So I'm going to tell you guys a little bit of my story because I'm Zacchaeus and I have a little bit in common. And uh, you're sitting up here and you're thinking, okay, she's saying this message. She like does this stuff. Well, no, 
I am the prime example of Jesus reaching down and meeting someone right where they're at. And so I moved to New York about nine years ago. And sometimes I think I like just graduated college in my like head. And then I tell Parker and he was like, that was like 10 years ago. So, (laughs) which is really encouraging, especially when I told him I could probably do gymnastics still. And I did that when I was 11, but (laughs) that's why you get married people reality in your face all the time. So, but I probably can do gymnastics. (laughs) Anyway, moving on. So I moved to New York about nine years ago, and I got a really great job in the entertainment industry. I got to do, like, P. Diddy's White Party and Britney Spears' Circus Party, which had real elephants, and that was a nightmare. And (laughs) really, talk about letting go of control. Um, And do all these things. And I just got totally warped into this lifestyle. Strawberry fields, strawberry fields, strawberry fields, strawberry fields. And it was like all consuming. And I thought, I'm like, this is the life. I made it. And I was a mess. And so I actually have a picture for you guys. And this was like the most innocent picture I could find of my terrible lifestyle. So this is me as a doorman of a nightclub with another doorman. He was actually one of the security guards. And our job was to decide who comes in and who doesn't. So we were the great gatekeepers. And anyone that's ever been out in New York knows there's nothing worse than a female doorman. I promise you, they will never let you in. (laughs) They are so mean. I was a little bit nicer, but still a little mean. And uh, my job was to say if you were qualified to come in or not. And um, my whole life was consumed by judging people and keeping appearance and performing and wearing designer stuff and knowing this person and that person. And it just became exhausting. And so I got involved with drugs, as you do when you're working till 8 in the morning. And just my whole life started to spiral. And uh, one night in, like, a desperate desperate moment. I'm so so glad my parents actually like raised me in church because I don't know if I actually would have done this if it wasn't for my parents dragging me to church as a child. But in a desperate moment, I was crying on my hands and knees, crying so hard that I was actually gagging. I, 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 the tears couldn't come out hard enough. And I just said, I'm like, God, if you are real, Take away this pain. And I was desperate. And in a moment, I felt a peace come over the room. And my heart started to fill with joy. Joy that was unexplainable. I wasn't supposed to have joy. Everything in my life was falling apart at that point. And I felt joy and peace. And uh, I just knew that God was there. And so I fell asleep, and I woke up in the morning, and I said, God, if you are real, I will do everything to have a relationship with you. Everything. And uh, later down the road, I ended up finding out about a mission trip that went around the world. And so as a normal person does, I sold all of my stuff, 
quit my job and traveled around the world for a year as a missionary that was just recently saved. So that's really interesting, by the way, to do missionary work and working out your relationship with God. But (laughs) grace is a wonderful thing. (laughs) But God met me in my desperate situation. Do you want to know the one thing that makes Christianity completely different than every other religion in the world? You want to know? Okay. I will tell you. In Christianity, our God gives us his son and meets us right where we are. And while we're still sinners, he dies for us. And in every situation and every circumstance that we're going through, he reaches down and meets us right where we are. That is a God that's worth telling people about. Okay? I see people outside in Union Square telling people about their God, God that you have to do 12 steps to get to. And I think about how I was so far from God. And he reached down and met me right where I was. And my life completely turned around. And so I just want to encourage you guys, like, find those people that are having desperate situations. And let's partner with God on reaching down to where they are. It shouldn't be just God's job to care about the needs of New York City. It's our job, too. And so are we able to stop and see someone in their desperate situation? Or are we so busy to get to all the busy, crazy things that we have to get to because we're going to miss this train? You're going to miss it anyway. The trains are completely unreliable. So just stop and pray for the person that's desperate. So who likes free stuff? I bet you no one likes free stuff more than me. I love free stuff. I really do. I love it. And I think that's why I get it all the time because I just love free stuff. But I have a gift card for 16 Handles. Who wants a gift card to 16 Handles? All right. Sydney, here. Come on up. You're first to raise your hand. Gracie said boo. Gracie, you could buy your own. Okay, can you stand there for a second? Okay. So let's pretend for a second that this gift card is for unlimited frozen yogurt for life. (laughs) This is pretend because that would be really expensive. But this is unlimited frozen yogurt for life. Here you go, Sydney. Unlimited frozen yogurt. And guess what? Every time you bring someone to 16 Handles, guess what? You get yogurt because you have that card, but whoever you bring is also going to get an unlimited gift card, and you'll both get a free topping. Isn't that awesome? Let's give a hand because that's awesome. (laughs) Hey, you can sit down. No, you can have it. So (laughs) unlimited frozen yogurt for life, and you bring someone And they get it as well. And you get free toppings as well when you bring someone. Who would not bring everyone they know to get that gift card? Like, I would be like, 
taking a helicopter and dropping like gift cards across New York City. Like, I don't even know where I'd find a helicopter, but I'd figure it out. And I would tell everyone, because this is the best deal in the entire world. It's so good. And some of you guys are doing this with your salvation where God's given you this unlimited gift card of grace and his presence. And you're saying, you know what I'm going to do with this gift card? I'm going to save it for the end of my life. That's what I'm going to do. When I die, I'm going to use this gift card. That's great. And yeah, that's true. You can use it then. Or you could use the gift he's given you today and tomorrow, and the day after, and give everyone the gift of grace that's been given to you. And so I like visuals, and I believe that this is your grace gift card. That underneath your chairs, you guys all have the opportunity to give someone else the very thing that was given to you. And only a crazy person would not give this to everyone. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. I actually can't wrap my head around it because it's this free gift. And the word grace, this is my favorite part. The word grace is actually a Greek word. That's charis. And do you want to know what that word is? The word charis? Yes, that's his power. It's also the gift that's freely given to us. And what it means is, it's this beautiful picture. Grace is God leaning in. So we get to lean in to other people and give them that gift of grace. And you know what? I, you're thinking right now, you're like, Jesse, that sounds like a lot of work. Gift cards for everyone is a lot of work. I'm going to need a lot of people and a lot of time. And don't you know that I have a full-time job? And I work 90 hours a week. So how am I going to find the time to give all of these gift cards to people? Maybe someone else can do it because I, I'm a grace person. And someone, like, I have this gift card and I will use it. Thank you very much. But I think that someone else that has more free time, maybe a college student or something, can take care of the gift card distribution. And I want to read to you a verse from Ephesians 2, 4 through 10. Now, get me right here. I am the grace, grace, in your face person. I have grace tattooed on my wrist. I love it. My best friend's name is Gracie. I'm like all about it, right? But I get stuck in this one little tiny part of the Bible, and it's this. But our God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved, there's that grace, and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So that, so that, so that, so that, so that, so that, in the coming ages, he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. I'm sorry, but it's not. 
It is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Do you know that God has prepared good works for you before you were even born? Do you know that he takes your profession and he turns it into a kingdom reality? That he took his disciples who were fishermen and made them fishermen of men. Do you know that if you work in finance, that God can actually take your ability to move money around and use it for the glorification of the kingdom here on earth? That whatever your skill is and whatever your industry is, God can actually impart his grace which is him leaning in and his favor and his free gifts. And he can make you the absolute best at your job and bring kingdom into everything that you do. Like that is crazy. It's really crazy. And yet we think this is for someone else. But yet if we're just willing to let God touch the things that are so important to us, he would make it so much better. So grace is your gift card. I want to show you a picture of someone. And uh, can we get the picture of Terry up on the screen? So this is Terry. And Sammy, or Sammy Ruby, I sorry. Oh, there she is. <laughs> Sammy took this picture of Terry. And Sammy and I were walking around Union Square, and we were just asking God to lead us and um, really just show us who to pray for. And uh, we did not know that we were going to meet Terry. We went to the coffee shop and thought we were supposed to pray for the woman behind the counter. So we asked her if we could pray for her. And Terry looks over and her eyes are welling with water. And you could just sense that there was something in Terry that was a little tiny bit desperate. And so I looked to Terry and I said, hi, what's your name? Do you think um, we could maybe pray for you about anything? And she was like, oh, no, it's okay, it's okay. And we just said to her, you know, I, I just, we, let us just pray for you for one second and then you can go. She was like, okay. And so we prayed for her and she ended up sharing some of her story with us. And she was actually on a break from work and she worked at a carpet store next door. And she's like, I have to get back to work. And we were like, okay, can we come with you? And uh, do you know, sometimes God will ask you to do things that are a little bit awkward and uncomfortable and going into someone's workplace when you are not an employee is wildly uncomfortable. So we walked in with her, and we talked with her and talked with her and prayed with her. And I just said, I'm like, Terry, do you want to follow Jesus? Do you want to have a personal relationship with God? And she, bawling, crying, just said yes. And in that carpet store, she made a decision to follow Jesus for the rest of her life. I look at this picture and I just know that the only reason we saw her was because God saw her first. And all we did was we were willing to stop our plans and our agenda to see Terry. But maybe you don't care about Terry because you don't really know Terry and you're just kind of like, well, that's great. That's good for her. That's good for you. Well, <laughs> do you know Ezekiel? Zeke, can you stand up for a second? Okay. Can we give a hand to Zeke? 
literally cannot imagine Union Square without Zeke. He has so much passion, so much energy, is a powerful man of God, and worships God with all his heart. Do you want to know how Zeke came to Union Square? The first day we were starting Liberty Union Square, I was walking with a group of girls, and Zeke had a sign that said, free hugs in Union Square. (laughs) Right, Zeke? And I just said to him, I'm like, you know, I really just feel like God loves you. And if you want a word from God for someone, there, there it is. God loves you. You can, that is tested and sure, and you don't need anyone to back it up. God loves you. You could also throw in that he has a plan for you. <laughs> Those two work really great when I'm not hearing anything. And I just said, Zeke, God loves you. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah. Do you want to come to church with me? And he said, okay. <laughs> and uh, he came with me to Union Square. And guess where he sat? He sat right next to me. And I saved him a seat, and we sat together, and we had tea and coffee together, and then we talked together. And I said, are you going to be here next Sunday, Zeke? Because I'll save you a seat if you're going to come back. And he said, yes, I will be there. And so sometimes we think, well, evangelism is for someone else. But imagine if I wasn't walking down that street at that very particular moment, and someone else was. Would every single person in this room maybe stop for Zeke and say, just come with me. Just come with me. Because I look at Zeke, and it's a constant reminder to me why this all really matters. And so the last thing I want to talk to you guys about, and the band can come up. I recently came across this beautiful artwork and I actually just like, was brought to tears because I couldn't believe such a beautiful thing existed. Um, can we bring it to the screen? I'll move out of the way. So this is called, okay, it's Japanese, and I'm really going to mess this up. <laughs> it's called Kintsugi. <laughs> that kind of sounded Italian. <laughs> Kintsugi. Um, it's called Kintsugi. If there's anyone that speaks Japanese, you can correct me in our private time. Um, (laughs) So Kintsugi. But what this is, is these amazing masters of the art do years of training, and they take broken pottery that's garbage. And what they do is they fill it with gold. The band can come up, by the way. And, oh, hi, band. (laughs) and they fill it with gold and it was discarded and broken and this was someone's trash but when the artist takes the time to put the gold in every broken layer what happens is it has immense value ridiculous value it sometimes takes several months to put one of these pots back together because of the labor that goes into putting the gold into every crevice and making sure that it's absolutely perfect. This is what our God does. He takes every broken part, every mistake, every thing that we regret, and he says, it's okay. I can put that back together. And guess what? I'm actually going to make it even better than before. 
and he fills us with gold. And all our job is, is to help the artist. We just say, I'll help you. I'll help you put gold in that spot. And oh, that person who made a really big mistake last night and is regretting it and is filled with guilt and shame, it's okay. That could be your turnaround story. And that story can be the turnaround of your life. And then that actually is the gold part of your life. Can I tell you, there's a story of a woman in the Bible. And uh, I just, she sticks with me so much because God notices her. And as actually, as you read the whole gospel, you see God just notices people. He stops for them and he sees them. And I feel so challenged sometimes because sometimes it's so hard to just stop and see someone. But I believe that God can give us the ability to see. That it's not through striving or working really hard to have better eyes. But God can give us the gift to see like he sees. And stop for people. And so Jesus is on his way somewhere. He's on his way somewhere, and he encounters a lawbreaker, a woman that has been bleeding for 12 years, and according to Mosaic law, she is unclean. She should be discarded, thrown away. The law says that she cannot come near anyone. She is dirty, and she is unclean. And so Jesus is on his way somewhere. And she sees him and she grabs onto his robe and just, she knows just a touch, a touch could change everything for her. And so she just reaches out and touches his robe. And in that moment, she encounters the glory of heaven on earth. And she has this encounter and she touches his robe. And then the most amazing theological statement, I believe, in the New Testament comes right after that. In Matthew 9, 21, it says, Jesus turned. Jesus turned. Jesus turned. And he saw her. He saw her. And you know what? In another part of the Bible, they tell this story, and it says that he had a hard time finding her. And you want to know why? Because she was probably expecting Jesus to be upset with her. Because the law told her that she could not encounter anyone, that she was broken and she was discarded. And so she was under this law, but Jesus turned and he says to her, take heart, daughter. Your faith has made you well. And instantly, she was made well. Do you know that Jesus is turning toward you in your situation? And that all we have to do is do a little tiny act of faith. And just reach out to God. And all we have to say is, I believe that if I just touch you, my life will be completely changed. For more information about Liberty Church, or to come visit a Sunday service in Soho, Union Square, Brooklyn, or Zimbabwe, please visit libertychurchnyc.com.